start. Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, B? Long time no see, man. It's good to be back in the saddle, uh, rocking and rolling with my brother from another. Uh, it's been it's been months, bro. It's been I want to say since the bowl game, checking out, yeah. taking care of family stuff, business stuff. You know what I'm saying? Transitions. I'm ready to get rocking and rolling, bro. Like I, my my juices are flowing, and I'm excited about this pod today, and then uh, what we got coming up. So let's get into it. Yeah, man, for for sure. So this is gonna be a little bit different format, but I think you guys are gonna like it. We're going to keep things really concise. Uh, as DMAC said, got some changes on the horizon, but but we'll get to those at a later date. Today, we're going to be talking about OU's first year going into the SEC, and I'm going to kick it over to Damian first. What we're going to do is talk about why OU will win nine or more games in the inaugural SEC season, and then why they won't. So, D-Mac, should we start with the good or with the bad? You always got to go good first, baby. Always got to go good first. Good first. All right. Man, so I'm going I'm to kick it over to you, brother. Tell Sooner Nation why OU is going to win nine-plus games this coming season in the SEC. Yeah, the, the easy answer, the very simple answer is football today, especially as you go up in levels. The college game, the NFL game is quarterback driven. And if there's one thing we did do last season, although uh, we, we, you know, give props to Dylan, right? He carried the torch through the transition. Uh, we've got our guy. And uh, we saw the pup make some throws in the in the bowl game. We saw him make a few mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Some things that didn't work out in our favor. But I'm here to tell you, quarterback play will win you three or four games that you had no business winning if you just have a guy who's a jag, right? So we don't. We have a bona fide player. Uh, I don't even like to talk about him being a blue chip and five star anymore. He's he's got some skins that he's that he's handled on the field, right? Some of the throws he made to Anderson uh, in the Tulsa game, again in the in the uh, the bowl game against Arizona. Some of the throws he made were throws we just hadn't seen in two years, and it was on the fly with ten practices. So uh, Jackson Arnold is going to be good enough to win us two games a minimum that we had no business winning and I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I I'm right there with you. Um, but, but I'm going to say it's gotta be the defensive side of the ball for me. J- Jackson is the easy, easy answer. Um, he's the answer that at the end of the day, as you said, quarterback driven league, quarterback driven sport, the, the offense is required to score points for you to be able to win the game. Can't win with zero, but the the improvements incrementally that OU has made year by year on the defensive side of the ball and this coming season, starting with the defensive line, I know everybody's going to say, 
well, you know, Stone, Jackson, some of those guys won't have an impact this year. I have a strong feeling at least two true freshmen make a significant impact on that defensive front. Well, we've seen it now where the development of these high school guys is just so good. And we've also seen from film now that guys like Jaden Jackson, David Stone, they can just do things that other guys on that roster can't who have been there four, five, golly, some, some maybe even six who, with all the COVID stuff. <laughs> but but D- Jackson, to me, is is certainly a reason why OU pushes over that nine mark. But I th- and probably, you know, a, a game like LSU, that's where a quarterback is going to matter, right? A, a game like uh, like going to uh, – they don't go to Knoxville this year, but they do, I believe they go to Ole Miss. That game, quarterback, going to matter. But when you got Tennessee coming into Norman, right, uh, a, a game where – it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting, right? Tennessee's got some players. To me, those are the games where your consistent defensive play is gonna be what what wins the day or what doesn't. And you've got to be able to show up on a regular basis. Let me add something to that. Let me add something to that. Uh, styles make fights. Styles make fights, right? And uh, if we want to talk about uh, anecdotal or data. Uh, the the Big 12 transplants who have gone into the SEC, their first few years are their most successful years, right? And so transitioning from a Big 12 style of play to the SEC style of play, style, listen, the SEC is going to try to slug you. But here's the misconception that people always get misconstrued. The SEC has big, strong athletic dudes, but they're not designed to play at an untempo pace. Right. So when you're playing against a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss or even a Kentucky, right, you know, Tennessee, those guys are going to, you know, they're going to stand in the B gap and, and, and knock you over the head. However, A&M showed us when they left the Big 12 as an extra mediocre team. Missouri showed us when they left the Big 12 as an extra mediocre team, right? When you transition to the SEC, those guys are not comfortable doing 80, 90 snaps a game. They're going to be tired in the third and fourth quarters. OU is going to go into the SEC next year. There's going to be two teams who on paper are at par or better than them, and that's going to be Alabama. We don't play Georgia, right? It'll be Alabama. Tennessee will be close, right? LSU will have some dudes, but there's not going to, there's not going to be teams that on paper are going to be far and above better than us, but our guys will have played in a conference where they're going to get 15 to 20 more snaps a game. And those snaps are going to be quality snaps against an SEC opponent. Mark my words, the Auburns, the, the Ole Misses, um, and I'm not talking about preparation for a bowl game, right? I got to say the SEC generally does a good job of prepping for bowl games when you've got that three to four week delay, right? And, and you've got one game to play. But when you play the schedule SEC, team, SEC teams play and then you've got OU on the schedule and we're going to we're going to ramp it up, right? 2035 octanes faster than most of your other opponents. And we're going to have quality depth and we're going to have just as good a dude as those SEC teams. That's why I, I, I don't have a ton of fear or anxiety or worry because we've got good enough players to line up against Tennessee and tackle the B gap. We've got good enough players to, to go against LSU without Daniels, 
right? And 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 match up. Our secondary and D-line are SEC, SEC good, ladies and gentlemen. Go back and look at our dudes on the third level and on the first level. We can match up with the 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 uh you know the run of the mill SEC team. So when you talk about getting to nine wins and you talk about having a quarterback who can beat you with his arm, his legs, and we'll see if his mind is as good as we think it is. But when we get into third and fourth quarters, playing against team with equal or probably even a little lesser talent than we have, they're not going to be ready for the amount of conditioning that's going to be necessary to beat the OU. Mark my words. We're going to win a game in the fourth quarter that we're behind minimum one because we're going to be able to impose our will. Nine wins. Man, man, I think uh, to, to kind of carry on with that point, well, we saw it in 2015, right? How many people in 2015 when OU went to Knoxville and Bob Stoops was coming off a tough 2014, they said, based on what they saw in 2014 with Cody Thomas out there, quarterback, yeah, you had striker. Uh, yeah, you had, I think you had a Frank Shannon at backer. You had a, um, you had a, a Samaj P. Ryan, right? But, but you didn't, they said you didn't have enough. Not to compete with the blue chippers. What you saw in that game was what you're talking about. You saw Tennessee jump out to a pretty good lead, and then you saw that conditioning take over. Right. Yep. That was still a Jerry Schmidt squad that when OU got to that fourth quarter, they ate, man. They ate the entire second half of the game. And they just looked like the more well-conditioned team. They were the team that was equipped to make plays when it mattered in crunch time. And, and I think that's obviously a, a small window into that that's going back now eight years ago. But, man, even though some has changed, the, the type of players they're still trying to bring in at those big-tier programs, like a Tennessee, still very similar. So so fa- fascinating to see this upcoming season. But, uh, but let's flip this thing the other way, man. Uh, it, it is the SEC. Can't be all sunshine and rainbows because then it's not the Barry and Mac show. If it's all right. sunshine and rainbows, right, right, right. that's uh, a <laughs> well, we get just as much grief as uh, as 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 we do uh, praise. So let, let's talk about, and I'm gonna let you go first again. I kind of kind of like this. Let's talk about why OU is going to struggle to get to that nine win mark. What will be the things? that hold them up this coming season? It'll be uh, the offensive line of scrimmage. It's going to be a level up or two uh, with our offensive protection in the pass game and moving the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, I don't know personnel-wise. We lost green in the transfer portal, right? That obviously doesn't help. Uh, we graduate our, our, I would say not best, but our most talented our right tackle uh, guiding going on to the NFL. And then of course we lose our center. So you're talking about the brain trust, your most talented, and then, and then the highest ceiling player are all gone. Those are unknowns, right? And so it'll be interesting to see what this spring looks like, but I think the number one red flag um, that we're going to have as in terms of concern going into the 2024 season is going to be how we manage the line of scrimmage. Right. Quarterback play is going to help that. But being able to just run an inside zone and move a guard or double team a three technique and get up to the second level, that's going to be a different. It's just going to be a different experience uh, playing in the SEC. And then also, uh, I believe, you know, in Seth's offense, a lot of his um, his pass game is off of action. 
So if the defense doesn't mm-hmm. believe you're going to run the ball, the action isn't going to be as uh, efficient and you're not going to force them to go to a one high, single high versus two high. And then you got two safeties and you got a shell coverage. So it's going to be interesting to see how how uh, productive we'll be running the football and then running action off of it. If we don't get those three areas fixed, right, we've got a lot of spots to fill. We've got some talent coming in. We've got some kids who've been in the program, but they are unknowns. And our offensive line has been consistently slow the last four seasons. Since Creed and those guys went on to the NFL, 18, 19, whatever those years were, we're really Creed left after the other guys left, right? But since that team has transitioned out, we've always started the year slow. We can't afford to do that in the SEC this year. That's going to be number one reason uh, I have concerns of us getting to nine wins. Man, I, I can't say I, I disagree with you. you know, I was on a recent uh, podcast uh, not too long ago, and we talked about that. Uh, I know people have discussed the players coming in, but like an EPL, right? Guys like that. But we've seen with Beanbow, and, and you were a guy who obviously Beanbow wasn't a coach when you played, but you, you kind of know Venable's old school mindset with wanting young guy or young guys to really get seasoned. Right, especially along the offensive line, to me, putting your hopes and dreams in a guy like that panning out immediately with what we know historically is Beatenbow's mo, I, I think is is a pipe dream. Right, I, I don't see that being likely. I, I think they're going to dance with who they have. Hope they they did go out to the portal. They did get a few guys. I don't know if they were able to bring in any game changers even to the level of a Walter Rouse, who was a ready-to-go, out-of-the-box. He just needed – and and Beanbow improved him, right? And, and yeah, NFL Scout sure. said as much. Beanbow sure. improved him. But, the you know, the, the mental side was there. The the drive and the discipline was there. You, you weren't having to, to essentially train a young college kid to, to do what he needed to do. Rouse wanted to get to the NFL – and OU was that stepping stone, we can't yet be confident that your Taylors and your Sextons, your EPLs, your Bates, uh, your other guys across that line of scrimmage are there yet. That's why losing a Caden Green was such a big deal because you knew that he had it physically, but based on him getting on the field as a freshman, you also knew he had it up here. And, and that's a big deal. That is a big deal, and I don't think that can be understated. But to me, man, got to pick it up at running back. Uh, I, I think bringing in a guy like Tatum, he's a player who legitimate speed. He, he's a 22-23 he's a mile-an-hour guy. He's a guy who can really push it. But Is he 23? Losing, Is he 23? Yeah, he's Is got he 23. Yeah, they clocked wow. him at 23 miles an hour. Wow. Yep. That's just yep. bad. I remember all the talk on Caden Durham was you know look at his speed and Durham was more of an accelerator he was more of an out the gate Tatum it takes him a little bit to get up to speed but man when he gets there he can run away from everybody yeah they clocked him at I want to say it was 22-7 and pushing 23 uh on a consistent basis he can really 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 scoot but that was a position man a year ago where there was a lot we talked about it all season well, where in air in times when the offensive line was performing well, the running backs were just missing things by a hair, right? People were talking negatively about Murray and, and about the um, just the ability for these guys to learn and know the game. Rotation wise, you weren't seeing guys who 
we felt as fans and onlookers looking were the best guys playing in the game. Well, we thought the guys sitting at the two and three spot were probably better than the guys starting out there at the one spot. And we won't get into names. They're long gone. But but I think it's important that OU solidify that position. I can't think of a team that has won the SEC that didn't at least have one kind of bona fide back back there. Um, but one guy who who can go get some yards. That they have every team that's been to the game and won, right? Even Alabama, a uh, Jace McClellan, right, was a guy who had a, had a nice some good looks against Michigan and, and really gave it to him. It's it shows you how important that is, right? Offensive line can be solid; they can be good. But man, if you don't have the guys back there, uh, toting the rock, who can find the gap? find the hole and hit the gas, I, I think you're still going to have problems. You got anything to, uh, to add to that? Yeah, I do. I think that's a compounding. I think that's a compounding concern, right? One, the O-line moving people Two, running backs with the talent uh, to actually exploit any opportunities we get. We just saw a marriage of that not happening last year. Uh, but you also touched on something and Barry, I think it's separate and we need to, we need to speak to it separately. Mismanaging of rotations by coaches. I, it's been an issue. Uh, by the way, it's been an issue for years. You know, in the secondary, we've belabored that for a long time. Running back has been obviously an issue the last two or three years where we're not seeing the same thing the coach is seeing in, in terms of why the distribution of carries are <clears throat> divvied up the way they are, off, offensive line, right? These are guys that are clearly getting their ass whooped. Why are these guys continue to roll out there? And then, and then lo and behold, seven games later, this other kid comes up and he's actually playing pretty good. What, what would have happened that he gotten carry or, or opportunity sooner? So I think, and, and it's a concern. It's not a guarantee because we're not there to see practice. You know what I'm saying? We don't know how guys are doing on the practice fields. But I think mismanagement of the roster or depth chart by some of the coaches is something to pay close attention to going into the 2024 season. And I do think it's a potential reason why we could lose a game. I do believe mm. there is a philosophy. And like you said, right, you're going to play the experience over the talent uh, unless it's overwhelming. I think that's kind of a philosophy we have. And, and that started with Bob. Uh, outside of my first couple of years, it was a free for all. My first couple of years, it was, if you could play, you could play. And I'm grateful for that. Cause I got to play as a freshman. Um, but I, I, I hope I believe, and this is the, this is the bias. This is a sooner in me coming out. I hope and believe the best will play whether irrespective or regardless of age. Um, and I hope and believe, um, that the talent that is available will have an opportunity to show itself in spring, in summer camp, in fall camp, and then preseason uh, getting prepared. I will say this. I like our preseason schedule, the way it sets up to, 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 mm -hmm. to prepare us going into that SEC schedule. We've got a couple of games that are winnable where a lot of guys can get some reps. But, and I don't know if this was a Levy thing or if it was a BV thing, but to me, um, our substitution patterns in the preseason gave a lot of guys opportunities to show success. Right? We saw Petaway get a ton of snaps. We saw Gibson get a ton of snaps. Right, We saw a lot of those receivers and the running backs. And yep. then we got into conference and it was like, wait a minute, right? 
Pettaway was playing good enough to get some snaps. You know what I'm saying? Sawchuck was playing well enough in the preseason to get some snaps. And then, and then when it got to conference, right, that, that, uh, depth chart really got drawn back. I hope this year, um, guys that show that they're prepared in the preseason, they make plays when the ball goes that way. Cause I think, I think the best example is Gibson, right? Gibson's getting like one oh, or man. two attempts. The first five games of the seasons, he scored two or three touchdowns. He's making big plays. He got gorilla nuts player of the week a couple of times, but he's really not seeing the field. And then of course the last four or five games, he might be the best player our best receiver the last three or four games, him and Anderson had kind of fallen back a little bit and Gibson was ascending. So I, I look, I look at, um, how roster management, depth chart management, um, that's going to be something to pay attention to. And if it's not done correctly, it could be the reason why we lose a game. Yeah. I mean, man, I, I'm right there with you on that. I think it's something that defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball, we've seen it, uh, where we've seen it, for for a few years now my hope uh that as someone watching from afar is that a lot of this kind of ro- the rotation issues is just attributed to the, the the turnover in staff not knowing who you got wanting to go with the older guy just on the trust factor things still being a little bit new things still being a little bit new for a lot of the uh, e- even the older players uh but but they're the ones who who you just seem to have your trust in, uh, man. Want to do this before we, uh, you know, kind of get out of here, ch- change subjects a little bit, and uh, and, and move on. Um, I want to go over the schedule just really fast, um, and, and we'll talk about uh, where some of those hangups might be. And non-conference, uh, as you kind of spoke to, you got Temple, Houston, and Tulane. Uh, Tulane, they played back in the COVID year. Houston, Jalen Hurts had his opportunity back in 2019. I don't. Has OU played Temple before? Not to my knowledge. Uh, it may be historically, yeah. but not not any time since the 90s. No. Yeah, it's been a while. But but what you spoke to was you got Tennessee, Auburn, and Texas, and then you you finish with the the meat of that schedule later on. South Carolina, Ole Miss. You've got that SEC uh, non-conference rum dum <laughs> Maine right in the middle. Maine right there before you uh, before you have Missouri. Then OU's got a bye week, perfectly placed right before they play Alabama and LSU. the The bye week's a little bit later in the year, but man, before Alabama and LSU, uh, I, I don't think you can uh, that you could ask for anything better than that. I, I do want to ask you, Saban leaving, um, Alabama retiring, almost similar vein to how Stoops did it. He did it a little bit more on the heels of the season, uh, Saban did, uh, but kind of leaving the program in a good spot, giving Alabama a chance to go out and, and find a really good coach um, in, in the Washington coach, uh, De- DeBoer. I want to ask you, do, do you think Alabama – is able to maintain some semblance of what they've built. Do you think they honestly needed a little bit of revitalization? You know, was it one of those deals kind of like Stoops had where later in that career, he had a nice little resurgence towards the end to, to give, give the keys to Riley, but, but their fans felt it. There was a, a slight shift down. Do you think Alabama is able to, uh, 
to kind of right the ship with Saban leaving and maybe take this thing to another level? Or do you think this is the end of the of the Bama dynasty as we know it? I do think Bama's going to come back to the pack. I do think Bama's going to stay an upper echelon SEC team. I do believe DeBoer is, is a great offensive mind. Uh, but let's just call it let's call it is what it is. He, he got lightning in a bottle with the quarterback and those receivers, uh, and, and, and Michael Penix, but, um, it's going to depend on how dynamic his quarterback is. If he can't, and we all know Alabama has recruited five stars who have been duds and they've gotten some guys who've obviously, you know, turned them into one of the junior QBUs, uh, in the NFL, right? They've, they've, they got, you know, uh, Tua and the kid at, at, um, the kid at, uh, the Patriots. So they've got some guys who's come through there the last, you know, second half of the decade, obviously the kid who went first overall this last draft to, uh, to Carolina and played terrible. Um, but DeBoer's offense is going to be highly dependent upon his quarterback. He's got a cupboard with some guys, so he's not starting the program over, but I got to tell you, Bama's beatable. I look at our schedule, and I think they say we have the number two schedule in America. And I know I'm going off mm-hmm. a little bit, but I, I got to tell you, Auburn is not, right? Auburn is not like, oh, my God, Auburn with uh, Cam Newton. And uh, Tennessee came back to reality last year, and, and they're going to have issues with quarterback. We're going to see what their quarterback situation looks like going into the season. Bama is in a transition year, and LSU lost their, their Heisman quarterback. It's going it, to me – Barry, with all due respect to the SEC, it kind of reminds me of the Big 12 I played in. Colorado Ooh. was not a pushover, but Colorado was Colorado. Missouri was, you know, that you, you couldn't just skip practice that week and expect to win. But damn it, they're beatable. We had Nebraska. We had K-State. We had Texas. A&M back in those days was, again, playing those guys in College Station. So, like, I, I look at the schedule, and then you know what I say? I say, oh, you's back to the Calibre. I like to say Calibre instead of Calibre. They're back to the Calibre of schedule that we were accustomed to. We're in the best conference yeah. in America. But it's not like we're not paying the best of Alabama plus the best of Georgia plus the best of LSU plus plus, plus Tennessee two years ago. We're playing, you know, we'll see. They got to play us, damn it. We stay healthy. I like our chances. Man, that's a great analogy because you guys really got uh, got Nebraska on the back. You, you guys didn't get 94, 95, 96 Nebraska, right? You you guys got a Nebraska that was still very good, a, a, an elite team, and, and Solich was rolling, but it wasn't uh, Tom Osborne, uh, Nebraska, Right. At K-State, you've talked about it was really the team you've said that yep. kind of maybe was the tougher out, you Easy. know, in terms of just uh, watching the film and lining up against them. So so I, I think I, I think you're on to something. Uh, but before we get out of here, quick predictions. And we may change this as we go. This is first year of the 12 team playoff. Right. First year of the Barry and Mac show being an official SEC podcast which is big time we might you know how they got the sec logo on the jerk we might have to put the sec logo like right like right down here i I don't know we'll we'll figure something out uh but does oklahoma make the 12 team playoff this coming year and i'm not gonna hold you to nothing right now we'll we'll lock them in when we get closer to the season but is ou a top 12 team by season's end next year so here's how I rationalize it. I, I feel like the SEC probably gets three in. 
I look at it like this, right? You got five champions. That's five of the there's seven left. I think the SEC and the Big Ten get an additional two seeds, right? So you take five plus four, that's nine. And then at least three for the field. So the question I ask myself is, can OU make it into the top three, right? Can OU make it into the top three? The Texas game is probably, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the most anxious game I, I see on the schedule. They've got continuity. The quarterback's coming back, right? Uh, they've got talent, and they've come, they're coming off a, a big year, right? So I think those guys are going to be, uh, so long as they don't have injuries, to me, that's the most difficult game on the schedule, and that's our that's our little brother. We beat that ass. Like, we know how to handle them if we need to handle them, right? Um, if you made me bet today, if you made me bet today, two things would happen. Number one, I'd take a couple thousand dollars i'm betting barry probably 20 i'm going i told i told my wife like hey we're gonna fly to vegas i'm betting 2500 bucks that we get the over on seven and a half seven and a mm. half I, I i heard it was six and a half six and a half I'd it, bet five it was i it, heard i think it, it, i think it um i i saw i saw both the the six yeah. and a half was what got pushed but then when you went to some of the sports books i saw seven seven and a half yeah. so yeah i'm gonna that, still that, bet but it's so crazy I'm going to bet 2,500 on seven and a half. Like that main game at the second half of the season. And, and yeah. you watch Bama and or Tennessee are going to have, are going to have injury issues or quarterback issues. And I think those are going to be winnable games for us. I'd bet 2,500 playoffs. The max I would bet I'm, I'm 55, 45. Yes. Cause I'm not a punk. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to ever say that we aren't good enough. <laughs> But I'd probably max the bet out at 50 bucks. <laughs> a tank of gas. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I'd probably, today, if you ask me today, <laughs> I'd gas. max my bet out at a tank of gas. So there's That's that. like a half a tank of gas these days. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Um, man, I'm probably there with you. I, I think OU, for the first time in a while, has a, a legitimate top 12 to top six roster okay. in terms of just talent. Now it's not seasoned yet, right? You really want David Stone two and three years into the program, Facts. right? You you want you you want that kind of guy. You want a Danny Okoye two to three years deep into the program. But in terms of raw blue chip talent, when Venables came to Oklahoma, when it felt like Riley was missing on the defensive side of the ball, recruiting big time guys. I got to say, this is the first time you can look to that roster and say blue chippers outnumbering the non-blue chippers on the defensive side, same thing on the offensive side of the ball. So roster-wise, OU should be able to go out there and compete with anyone. The question is, there's still a young squad. You've still got a lot of question marks at different positions. And not all positions are kind of coming up to speed at the same time. They haven't yet hit that um, that that kind of moment where everything sort of meshes together, where the D lines kind of rising, the linebackers are there, the receivers are are hitting right, which is what you need to have a championship run, right? So, so I think they're they're probably still a year off with that, but man. If if you had me bet today, I would still probably say that they they make it into the top twelve. Honestly, just coming off the SEC, 
not know. I think Tennessee is going to take a little dip. That they had their struggles this offseason too with some of the things that came out. Alabama, that even last year we saw some of the chinks in that armor a little bit. Yep. And now, so there's a little bit of rebuild on the defensive side of the ball, especially, right? And and does Alabama, you know, with a coach like Venables coming into the SEC, right? Defensive mind. You got a Kirby Smart over there in Georgia. He's still ready to go. Georgia, I think, had they made it to the playoff this past year, probably is playing in the national championship yeah. still. That they they were really good. They just against Alabama, they just did they just didn't have it. They just didn't have it. The offensively, that they they really they really needed some things to come together. And, and I bet you Kirby Smart goes back to the drawing board this past season and gets that done but but it'll be interesting nonetheless uh sooner nation i hope you guys enjoyed this today dmac before we get out of here man any uh any closing thoughts as we always do brother uh, i'm just excited to be back in the saddle it's been a it's been a very busy last six months uh salute to you bro you know what i'm saying it's always a pleasure to uh do this with you man still a pleasure project for me uh, I appreciate the the sponsorship and and you know them checks we get. The checks is cute. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Know, for so sure. Salute to you guys for spon- You know, salute to you guys for listening to the show. Uh, but I just enjoy talking ball with my boy. I look forward to getting up to Norman and checking out the program and 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 sitting down with Coach V and talking to some of my boys up there. Just you know, just kind of get a temperament of what's happening in the program um, and seeing for myself. I can go to some practices. I can drive up to Norman and and actually be around the program that I love and been a part of for so many years. So I look forward to doing some of that this coming spring. And then, of course, again in the fall. Love it. Sooner Nation, as always, make sure to go follow the show on Instagram at The Barry and Max Show. Uh, man, this thing's going to be, be kicking on YouTube, man. We are going full whole hog into the YouTube world. Uh, got all the nuts and bolts on that thing. Finally, uh, finally figured out. Make sure to follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. 